You are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches, a resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. Welcome. This is Aaron here at Dad in the Trenches. Thanks for joining us today. If you are new to the podcast, a very special welcome to you. Thank you so much for tuning in and for finding your way here. I hope this uh, is very much encouraging and equipping for you today. For those of you that are a longtime Dad in the Trenches listener, welcome back. And again, thanks for joining us and for your support for listening along. If you haven't already, please do take a moment, and uh, if you're on the Apple uh, podcast platform, please jump over, uh, give us a five-star rating, and also uh, drop a note there in the comments, a review, something you've liked about Dad in the Trenches or an episode that was your favorite. Be really helpful, and um, those out there that are looking for content like Dad in the Trenches, be really helpful for them as well as they search. So please do that, and again, thank you so much for uh, joining us here today. This episode is being released uh, during the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, and um, uh, today's uh, guest and today's topic and some of the things we talk about couldn't be more uh, pertinent for uh, really just life at home, sheltering in place, um, as we're going to talk about some dad hacks and um, also um, just some things that today's guest does with his family, ways he's intentional with his family. I just think these things will be really pertinent uh, and applicable for you today. Um, I do also want to make note um, throughout this podcast, primarily uh, after the mid-break, but also during the beginning, um, we do touch on some sensitive, uh, quote-unquote, guy issues and struggles uh, that many guys deal with. So if you are listening to this podcast, either in the car or at home, uh, do be aware of sensitive ears and age-appropriate material. So I do want to throw that out there. Now, without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Thanks for joining us here today on Dad in the Trenches. We're going to jump right in. My guest today is Patrick Antonucci. He is uh, the host and curator of Dad Hackers. Patrick, welcome to Dad in the Trenches. Thanks for joining us, man. Right on, brother. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So tell us just a little bit about yourself, um, what you do presently, season of life, family, all that good stuff. Sure, man. So... Like you said, I'm the host and founder of the Dad Hackers podcast, as well as the community. on um, On social media, we have we have a Facebook group, and I and uh, that that's been growing and and getting larger. And we we do some other things on social media with content and YouTube and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as some background about myself, I have been married for uh, going on 16 years, and. We have five kids. Yeah, my <laughs> oldest is thirteen. My youngest is four and a half. All right. And got uh, two boys and three girls. Okay. So we are. 
I am a dad in the trenches. <laughs> I feel you, man. Right there. Right there. Yeah. Totally. Tell us, yeah. uh, just so as we get to know you, uh, tell us a hidden talent or something that most people don't know about you. For years, I played drums. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I got my first drum set when I was 16 and started taking lessons and um, played for a number of years played in jazz bands in college. Okay. So like full um, trap a, set, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The whole shebang. <laughs> and, uh, I had a, I had a band that we would, we would play around town. We won a couple battle of the band competitions. It was, it was Sweet. fun. What was I the really, band's name? It, we were called Jive Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think you we can just Google got, that all yeah, you want. <laughs> I doubt you'll find anything. Cause it was, it was, uh, <sighs> It was a while ago. <laughs> getting the band back together. That's awesome. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That is so good. Yeah. I, I, um, so that was like during my college years when we had that band. And then uh, I got married, got a full-time job teaching, had kids. And uh, the band broke up before that. And I graduated from college, wasn't in jazz bands anymore. And so... Uh, I had my drum set for a number of years just in the basement and I would, I'd play it every once in a great while. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sell this bad boy. (laughs) And it it was a pretty impressive set and I, I got a decent amount of money for it, but man, do I miss it? I was just talking to, I was just talking to somebody about that today and I really, I really miss playing the drums. Hmm. So now I just tap on everything. There anyway, you everybody. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and now I have all my kids tapping on everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a very noisy place to be. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk uh, uh, just a little bit too about, you know, your background growing up, um, you know, father story, impact of father in your life, you know, all, all that as well. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My parents divorced when I was about five. Um, They remained friendly and friends toward one another, and they still get along very well to this day. But I stayed with my mom. She had full custody of me pretty much. I went with my dad every every weekend, and we would do the hunting and fishing, going up in the woods, riding quads, cutting trees down, all those kind of fun stuff that you get to do with your dad. But he was not a, a spiritual influence in any way, shape, or form okay. in my life. Um, very, very far from that. He, <laughs> in fact, when I when I started to be become older, like in my teen years and stuff, he he'd always ask me, "You messing with any girls?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'd be like, "Dad, come on!" <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, totally uncomfortable and right. extremely inappropriate. But that that's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so that, that was the kind of influence. Um, he, he uh, objectified women very yeah. much and still does to this day. Um, and, but I, I think the influence of my mother, uh, was very impactful to me because, um, she, she helped temper that a lot. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I found my dad's pornography when I was like five years old, and that that has like scarred me and wounded me for life mm. um, in a negative way, mm-hmm. big negative way, and, and has has had repercussions throughout the decades in my life. Um, became a Christian when I was about 
13 and, um, you know, didn't really get very serious in my faith till I was about 19, actually fell away for a while, got involved with the wrong crowd, got into drugs and alcohol and Mm -hmm. those kind of things and had a really bad night one night and it, and I call it the night that God kind of slapped me upside my head. Mm. And ever since then, he's, he's really got me back on track. Um, mm. I'm not perfect, obviously. I, I have many flaws. Sure. But uh, I can remember from a, a relatively young age, and I, I think my parents' divorce was, was very influential in this line of thinking, but from a very young age, always wanting to get married, to have children of my own, to have a family of my own. Mm. Um, and, and so like, I, I remember praying, you know, when I was younger, maybe early teens praying for a wife, even back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, now I have one <laughs> and I, I have, I have children of my own and I, I'm in this kind of quandary and, and, and I'm working through it and, it and it's a journey and a process where I now have a wife and children of my own. And I'm trying to raise them uh, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, mm-hmm. like uh, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to. And I don't have the example to fall back on of growing up in that type of context. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really like, I'm really a trailblazer in, in a sense yes. in my family in that I'm doing this for the first time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's so... Dad Hackers was kind of the manifestation of that, whereby I wanted to gather around myself other men who were on a similar journey of trying to raise uh, the next generation of fully devoted followers of Christ with an eye toward leaving a multi-generational legacy, Mm -hmm. but like struggling for how to do that because a lot of us in the dad hackers community didn't grow up in a Christian home. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't exclude you if you grew up in a Christian home because there's, sure. there's plenty of kids that grew up in, in quote in church mm-hmm. and it was a very dysfunctional situation. So, sure. I mean, you know, there's that kind of thing. And then right. I started the podcast about six months after I, I first started with the Facebook group. Uh, cause that, that was kind of the, the lowest barrier to entry to gathering men around myself. Mm. And then I, I was, looking into other things, how I could branch it out. And, um, about six months later I landed on podcasting. Cool. And, um, that's, that's really where I, I interview other guys, uh, other men, um, who either have an expertise in a certain area that's relevant to Christian men or are older men who have proven themselves to be able to raise up the next generation. And so like they have children that are Christians who now have children of their own and they're, they're helping raise their grandchildren in the Lord. And so like, I want to pick apart that guy's brain Mm. and see what, what did he do? What kind of things did he do? And, and I understand, you know, a a lot of this, you have to hand over to the Lord and rely on the power of the Holy spirit to do. But if if there's anything I I can do, anything I can look into, any relationships I can develop that are going to help me be able to better invest in my relationship with my children, I want to pursue that and be intentional about that. Yeah. I'm curious, you landed on the name dad hackers. Was there any, any significance behind that or why, why did you pick that name? It's a it's a very underwhelming story. I'll tell you that, Aaron. <laughs> um, I was I was trying to think of a name for what I wanted 
to call this. I, I knew I wanted it to be something with fathers. And, and at the time, I was really like watching maybe YouTube videos, reading blog posts on life hacks mm-hmm. on how to, you, you know, how to cut down the time it takes and the steps it takes to achieve something while yeah. still achieving that goal. Right. And so that kind of landed me on dad hackers. And, and sometimes gotcha. I think I'm like, man, I shouldn't have called it that. But then <laughs> like, on the other hand, we have a finite amount of time to invest in our children and we yeah. really want to be as effective and intentional and purposeful in that amount of time. Yeah. And so we, we want to, we want to like do those hacks that we can, that we can do to, to be as intentional as possible mm-hmm. with the limited amount of time that yeah. we have. Yeah, that's so, totally good. That's awesome. So it's a, it's a, it's like a underwhelming story, but I think the name actually ends up fitting well. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, you know, and kind of along that line, you know, I mean, you hit on the word intentionality uh, several times, and I love that because it's like, you know, when we when we approach fatherhood, there's we're either intentional or uh, I feel like kind of winging it as a father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know, there's aspects of fatherhood that take absolute intentionality. But at the same time, like you said, there not that it's there's shortcuts, but there are some ways to, in a sense, hack your way into getting into intentionality. I'm just curious from from your standpoint, you know, uh, what dad hacks, if you will, you know, have you discovered um, that's helped you just reinforce that in- intentionality by you know putting those kind of things in place? You have some examples of that for us, maybe. Oh yeah, definitely, and and I will say these are nothing that are extremely revolutionary, um, <laughs> or difficult or expensive. I think the difficulty comes in just being intentional and consistent with them, mm-hmm. and then doing it over the long haul again and again yeah. and again Amen. and again. If you if you think of, like to use the analogy of of working out, if you're if you're trying to do some strength training or some conditioning. Um, to, to get to the point that you want to get, you have to be intentional. You have to follow a workout program and you have to do it consistently. You can't Mm -hmm. like follow the workout program for two weeks and then be like, okay, I achieved my goal. I'm done now. I'm going to walk away and never do this again. No, you have, you have to have a plan. You have to implement that plan. You have to implement it consistently and you have to implement it consistently over time. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's really where intentionality falls in. And then you, you kind of alluded to this idea of being intentional versus winging it as a father. Mm-hmm. And I think by default, we wing it. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of years ago, I went through a study called the 33 series, and it basically chronicles the, the life of Christ as the model man. And there were four components to manhood that they really stressed. And one of them was rejecting passivity. Mm. And another one was ex- ex- um, rejecting pass- passivity and accepting responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think those two combined are really what it takes to be intentional. Well, all four aspects work in there, but but those two in particular, because I think by default, a lot of men are just passive. A lot of fathers are just passive. We, mm-hmm. we go to work, we come home and hop on our phone, get on Netflix, uh, watch television, or just kind of tune out in the man cave. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or go hang out with, at your sports league or whatever it is. 
but being intentional with your children, it, that's your ministry as a father, whether you take up that ministry or not. When you became a father, that was one of your primary ministries. So, um, now to get to the answer of actual like practical things. Sure. So it's all good, man. I love it. Yeah. So like one of the things that, that my wife and I do is I have daddy time with my kids and my wife has mommy time and we have five kids. So this works out nicely during the week. (laughs) So we set it up that, um, each day of the week is a different child's day with me and, and the way our context works and the way my family works, this, it just works like this. Um, other, other contexts, you may have to tweak it. You know, I know guys travel and different things and right. so they're not home yeah. consistently after work or whatever. Um, you just tweak it to, to fit your context. Yeah. But so what we define daddy time or mommy time is, is, is 20 or so minutes of focused, engaged one-on-one time with one child. I guess that's a definition of one-on-one, <laughs> but we're not just like on the fly trying to have one-on-one time with them if it comes up. No, it's like Monday, I know that with my middle daughter, we're going to have daddy time and she knows that and she mm-hmm. holds me accountable to it. Mm-hmm. And daddy time could be, we just have a snack and play a game or we have a snack and go for a walk or we go for a hike in the woods or or. Um, I've gone running on our local bike trail and they take their bike and ride their bike next to me. Or we just, you know, sit sometimes once in a while we play a video game. I try not to involve screens too much uh, for the daddy time. But I mean, these are just, or when they're younger, you can read a book to them. Um, and those kinds of things. So that's, that's one of the things that we do. Another thing that we do is, and again, our, our family works like this on Monday nights and Tuesday nights, we let either the boys stay up late or the girls stay up late. So like tonight we put the boys down and stayed up a little extra with the girls. And we like, we'll play a game with the girls together. Usually it involves a snack, lots of snacks in our house. <laughs> um, um, we, we just recently, actually Friday, we're going to start, our kids have been in karate for uh, a year or so, and they do a daytime class together. But my wife and I decided to join them, and so they have a family class on Friday nights. And we're actually we got our we got our uniforms last week, and Excellent. so this Friday on Valentine's Day, we're going to do our first family class. <laughs> so, and and we intentionally picked that because it's something that we could do together. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. Uh, and it's something that we can kind of support one another in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could practice our karate moves in the kitchen together if, if we need to. There you go. Uh, but it, it's not like one kid is doing it and everybody else has to watch. It's like our whole family yeah. is involved in that. Um, That's great. So those those are a couple of things I, I could go into more if you want. But Yeah, hit, hit us with a, another something that you guys do for just uh, for intentionality. Okay, so another thing that we do is on Wednesday nights, we let one kid sleep in our room. And uh, even even my 13-year-old son, he'll still sleep in our room. <laughs> we'll, we'll lay down and you know talk for a little bit, pray over him, um, and then he'll go and sleep on our floor. 
and our other children will do it. And each week it's a different kid. Uh-huh. Um, and we've just set that aside. Now, I know some people might be like, oh, you shouldn't have your kids in your marriage bed um, because, you know, that that should be a sacred place. But, I mean, we have six other days during the week (laughs) for which we can, (laughs) you know, enjoy the benefits of marriage. Um, And this is one way that that we're trying to be intentional with our kids Mm. because they really like it. Our kids don't really sleep in our room. We didn't really have – I mean, after they were a couple months old, you know, they were in a crib in their bedroom – and it never became a thing for them to consistently sleep in our bedroom night after night after right. night. You know, if they're sick, you know, that that might be an exception. Mm-hmm. But this is the one time, this is, again, that one-on-one engaged time mm-hmm. that they have with just my wife and I together, the three of us. Mm-hmm. And we have five kids. Like, I think I mentioned that. Yeah. And and so, that's harder to, gump, to come by when you have more kids. Sure. Um, Another thing that we do is typically on Friday nights, and our backup night for that is Saturday, Friday's busy, um, is we do what we call popcorn pajama party. And again, on a rotating week-by-week basis, the kids, each kid gets a turn to pick a movie or a show that they want to watch, and we pop some popcorn, put our pajamas on, and hang out in the living room and watch a video together. And so, these are just ways that we're investing in our relationship. Another thing that we do is at dinner at the dinner table, each day of the week, we have a different topic that we pray about, and um, time permitting, we'll have each kid say a 10 to 15, 20 second prayer about that topic. Like Mondays, usually we, we, we pray about missionaries. Mm. Um, Thursday, we pray about our, our kids are involved in scouting. So we, we pray about those organizations that they're involved. Um, one day we pray about um, our family. Another day we pray about the salvation of the lost. And so it it's it's intentional prayer. It's not just rub a dub dub. Thanks for the grub. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's good. So so we do that, and, and we usually have sit down meals together almost every night of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mostly started from from a, a frugality standpoint. Like we just don't have the money to eat out frequently. But you know, there's there's so much research out there that talks about the benefits of eating meals together, and yeah. we do that quite a bit. If you want to, you just talked about the effects of, of pornography from early on too, and just you know what what are some things that you've learned along the journey of, of freedom and um, you know we talk about legacy, right? So so how do you mm-hmm. how do you break that in a sense a, a generational curse? How do you how do you go about reversing the effects of you know something that the enemy did with you and and how do you safeguard your family? How are you being intentional about those kind of things? Yeah, that, that's an excellent question. I'll tell you, um, recently we put covenant eyes on our devices at home. Mm-hmm. And this this is something that, that I actually failed at for a while um, until my wife went out with a friend of hers and her friend was telling a, a horror story of how her 
sons started getting involved in pornography. Hmm. Uh, and I think he's like 14. And then her other son looked up, she found out he looked up some stuff about human anatomy um, on, on Google. And, um, you know, that, that's something that's very high on our radar mm-hmm. because of, of my struggles with, with pornography and, mm-hmm. and how that, um, that really infiltrated into our marriage at the beginning of our marriage, which really made for a rocky start yeah. uh, in our marriage. And so that's always been high on the radar. And I, I'll admit for several years, I, or many years until just recently, I, I was dropping the ball and procrastinating about uh, getting software on our computers. So we mm-hmm. got covenant eyes to as as one line of defense yeah. to protect our children. Yeah. Um, another thing that I just again I don't know if it's twenty twenty or what, but it's it's the year where a lot of this stuff's coming together. I got some resources on biblical sexuality, puberty, and relationships, and I've started doing the lessons with my four older children. Mm. Um, out of the four older children, the youngest of those four is about to be eight. Okay. And um, my youngest is four and a half. And so he, he's going to be eight at the end of this month. And they said when kids are about six to 10 years old, depending on their maturity level, mm-hmm. is when you should start having conversations about biblical sexuality. Mm. And uh, the the first lesson, it, it was hard and awkward to do. <laughs> but it was interesting. They kind of tipped you off to the fact that it's probably going to be awkward for you because you have all this baggage and stuff right. attached to sexuality. Yeah. But for your children, if they're, if they're still not, you know, corrupted by worldliness mm-hmm. and, and still relatively pure and innocent, it's not going to really be, you know, uh, it's not going to be awkward for them. Yeah. You know, and they really stress the importance of you being the first one to instruct them about biblical sexuality and that they not hear it from maybe the kids at school or they mm-hmm. f- saw a book at the library or watched a YouTube video or, you know, stumbled onto por- pornography or, you know, or worse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, again, that, that is something that has been on my heart for a long time. And, you know, obviously no, no pornography in the house. Yeah. Uh, I don't have like a hidden stash somewhere or anything like that. Right. Uh, my dad did. Right. And I, like I said, when I was five, I found it. Mm. And um, I can still remember some of the images that I saw when I was five years old. They're still burned into my mind. And, mm. you know, when you're five, you don't really know what you're looking at, but I knew it was something that I should hide and that I didn't want to to be found out about. Hmm. So, so even at that age, it was already guilt, shame, yeah. hiding, um, those kind of things. Yeah. I think one of the keys is not only for you to try to live upright in that area, and I, I don't do it perfectly. I still get lustful thoughts and, and think about stuff that I've seen in the past and, and those things. And and it's, it's a journey, it's a process. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the other thing is to equip your children with a correct view and understanding of sexuality, particularly in our over-sexualized 
culture and society. And, Boy, and, not true. Yeah. In, in America. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, you saw all the, all the, all the controversy over what happened with the Super Bowl halftime show. And I didn't even see it, but, um, I, I read about it and mm. I'm glad I didn't see it. Yeah. We and turned, so, we just turned off the halftime show. We didn't even go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good for you, man. Good for you. Um, and, and so we need to be able to equip our children with a right understanding of, cause they're going to see that stuff. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. You cannot protect them, um, from that. And there's, there's this idea that, that some parents have that if they teach them about biblical sexuality, that it's going to somehow steal their innocence. Mm. But there's a, there's a distinction between being innocent and being ignorant. Right. Um, you don't want your you you can you can inform your kids about biblical sexuality from a correct biblical standpoint. Uh, I should say you can inform your children about sexuality from a biblical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that ignorance while still maintaining their innocence. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's a good distinction. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do is equip my kids to not be ignorant while at the same time maintaining their innocence. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good distinguishing point. You mentioned early on in your marriage to, to where you are now, you know, 16 years later, you know, was there any turning points, anything that the Lord really did along the way just to help break break what was going on, uh, bring restoration for you? Uh, it wasn't like a light switch moment or anything like that. Uh-huh. It, again, it, it was a, a process and I, I would say it's I'm still being healed in sure. the process of it. Uh, I, I don't like look at pornography or, or anything, but like I mentioned about lustful thoughts and things popping yeah. into your mind. Um, I think one of the things that, that really helped was my wife and I entered into our marriage as kind of understanding what a covenant is in that we we kind of ruled divorce out before we started. Hmm. So we were very committed. Now I say that hesitantly because I understand there's some certain circumstances where, you know, there's infidelity and and adultery and it's continuous and it's rampant and there's no repentance on, on, on the side or there's abuse or neglect or abandonment in those circumstances. And I, I understand that. And I, I think there's allowances for that scripturally speaking. Uh, we, we obviously didn't get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my wife, uh, striving to be honest with her about it, it mm-hmm. is as difficult as it is that that has helped. Um, yeah. Because the Bible talks about confession comes through, he- or healing comes through confession. Mm-hmm. So not just confessing your sins to God, but confessing your sins to one another. Yeah. And again, I'm hesitant with that because you don't just want to dump on your wife to relieve your feelings of shame and guilt. Um, I've, I've gone to some counseling. She's gone to counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of prayer. Lots of prayer. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and I think committing to your marriage is is one of the key uh, aspects for me, anyway, that that God has really helped me overcome this. Now, 
again, I feel like I'm saying a lot of things hesitantly because this is such a delicate subject. No, I understand. Totally. Lots of times, sometimes, and I mistakenly thought this way too, that you struggle with pornography, then you get married and you can, quote, have sex anytime you want and then the problem will go away. Hmm. Well, even if you... Um, even if you have sex anytime you want, it's not going to make the problem of pornography go away. Mm. So I, I caution guys that are not married or are thinking about married, getting married or engaged or whatever to, I just caution them with that line of thinking because it, it's faulty. Mm. That's good. Well, yeah. one, just thank you for your, your vulnerability and sharing some of that with us. I know that's not easy. So, um, very much appreciate that. And I, I know our listeners would too. Sure. Um, for, for sure. For sure. Man. I, um, a lot of times one of the tactics the devil uses is he gets men to think they're the only one that struggles with this, hmm. and, uh, with pornography or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a sexual sin. Mm-hmm. And let, let me tell you flat out that, I've been working with men for a while. Almost every one of them has struggled with pornography in one way, shape, or form. Mm. And even if it if it's not pornography, it's something else. You are not alone in your struggle. You don't have to feel like you're the only one. The devil wants you to feel like you're the only one so that you stay in the shame, so that you stay in the guilt, so that you stay in that darkness and you, you don't expose it and you don't get healing. And then... When that happens, he's kind of distracted you and disarmed you for being the biblical warrior that God has called you to be. Mm. And so, I, I always like to say, Satan doesn't have to get you to outright deny Christ. He just has to get you distracted, depressed, downtrodden, or mm. whatever, so that you're not carrying out the good works that God has prepared for you to do. If he can, If he can get you to not do the works that God has called you to do, then he's basically rendered you useless. And mm. he doesn't have to get you, you know, to join his team. He just yeah. has to get you to sit on the bench. That is a really good word. Uh, I find that, you know, one of the things I struggled with for so long was dealing with anger issues and, and some mm. of the, you know, triggers, uh, things I begin to realize about myself is, especially if I felt frustrated about a, something that, and it was carrying over to, you know, household or work or whatever, uh, but also just, you know, feeling tired, you know, and guys that I've, um, have also expressed just struggles with pornography and thought life and all that is like, you know, they're recognizing triggers of enemy is attacking them the hardest sometimes when they're feeling frustrated with their wife about something or they got into a disagreement or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're tired. They've had a long week or something like that. And it's like, you know, the enemy looks for the chink in the armor at the moment, you know, of where's a, where's a weak spot that he can hit, you know? Yeah. And, and I I would add that, um, you want to try to have a kingdom mindset when it comes to these types of situations. Like, let's say the example of you having an argument with your wife, what's really going on behind the scenes is the devil is trying to use that to drive a wedge between you and your wife mm. so that you are not united and that you don't have a, a, a front, you know, presented together. Your, your shields aren't locked. And mm-hmm. he can, if he can divide your house, then he, he can have a, a better foothold. And so 
yes, you may be angry or frustrated or upset or disappointed with your wife or unfulfilled or one way, shape or form, but look at it from a kingdom perspective where Satan is trying to destroy the God-sanctioned covenant of marriage. And so, if you look at it through that lens, you can see that your wife and you and your wife are still on the same team. You're just having a little disagreement, and then you can maybe come at that from that standpoint that oh, this is this is an attack of the devil. It's not really, it's not really a thing between my wife and I so much as it's the devil is trying to use this to rip us apart. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's really good, man. And you can use that. You can use that in you know your relationship with your kids, um, problems in church. If you have you know in, any kind of problem in church, he'll do whatever he can, and he is super subtle, super subtle. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, you know just as as you've been working with with men, um, with dad hackers over the last years. What other um, what other things do you see? Um, that's a common struggle, a common something, a common thread um, that that guys deal with. We've we've talked about you know apathy, rejecting passivity, that kind of thing. Um, obviously, issues with with pornography. Um, what other kind of things or that kind of emerge that you see? Yeah, that's a really good question. Two are coming up right now, and I never realized how many men um, profess to be Christians, and I have to be careful that I'm, I'm not getting into judgmental waters here, yeah. but have never actually read through the Bible. And mm-hmm. I'm not even talking cover to cover, who, who have not actually dove into God's Word, who maybe aren't fellowshipping on a consistent basis. And those two things are, are very important because... God has said that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's it's inspired by God. It's mm-hmm. it's profitable for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. And if we're out there trying to represent God and be God's man to do God's work, and we're not reading the field manual, um, that's going to present a problem. Mm. You know, um, I, I think sometimes guys rely too much on their Instagram feed to be their spiritual nourishment mm. for the week or or even or even the devotion on the Bible app that some that some man wrote right. to explain his application of a scripture. Yeah. Those things aren't bad, but if you're not personally in the word of God, you're you're putting yourself in a very susceptible position. Mm-hmm. And, and guys will say, well, I don't like to read. I'm not a good re- reader. Maybe I'm dyslexic. And that's okay. We have technology. Have you ever heard of the Bible app? Hmm. Um, I say that cynically. Right. But, you know, the, the Bible app, I mean, it'll read it to you. Pop yeah. it in your earphones. So, I mean, like, I, I did a podcast about this, about how men can start reading the Bible. And uh, and, and it's helped some guys. I've, I've gotten some messages from guys asking me some follow-up questions to that. But I, I just believe it's so very important if we're going to be God's men that we be in his word. Yeah. And then um, I mentioned fellowshipping. I believe it's Hebrews 10.25, 10.26, somewhere in there where it talks about not forsaking the assembly. Now, some people want to use that as a, as a 
hammer and hit people over the head if they ever right. miss church. You know, <laughs> where were you? Throw that, <laughs> yeah, we throw that verse out. Yeah, but but I don't believe you can quote go to church out in your boat or you know out on your back porch. I think part of worship is in part of quote going to church is being with other Christians and fellowshipping with them. And sometimes we miss out on a lot of good stuff that God has for us because we're not consistently involved in a local congregation where we are fellowshipping consistently with other Christians. Yes, you can have devotional time and you you can experience God out in the woods while you're hunting, while you're fishing, or on your back porch, Mm -hmm. or you know, those types of things. Um, and it's, it's nothing wrong with watching sermons online, but if I don't, I don't think anything can really replace fellowshipping with other Christians and going, quote, going to church. And I keep saying, quote, going to church, because I I know that we are the church. The church is the called out ones or the called, called into, to assemble together uh, called out from the world to be together as as kind of like God's army. Um, but if you think of like a soldier, if he's just out there by himself, he is so very susceptible mm-hmm. to attack, being captured. Um, and so there there is something to be said for fellowshipping with other Christians and going yeah. to a, a worship service on a on a consistent weekly basis. Yeah, no, that's a good word. So, that's really good. What encouragement, what other encouragements would you give other dads uh, or dads in the trenches out there that may be struggling? Yeah, another good question. One thing that comes to mind, and, and I was talking to a guy about this today, is this idea, if you're not doing it now, you probably won't do it then. And where that comes up from is, I know I, I get trapped in this thinking and a lot of other guys, this thinking that says, once I get this, or once I achieve that, then I'll start doing this. Hmm. So let me give you an example. Once, once I start making enough money, then I'll begin tithing. Hmm. Or, uh, once I, you know, get, get the new house, then I'll start taking care of it better. Well, if you're not doing it now, if you're not currently tithing, or, I shouldn't even say tithing. I mean, just giving. Yeah, Let's good, just say it's a good example. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not currently doing it, what's going to change that once you have more money that you're going to all of a sudden become a better steward of it? Mm. Or, you know, if, if you get a bigger house, what's going to change that all of a sudden now that you have a bigger house that you're somehow now going to take care of it? So when when dads are struggling, I, I, th- I think of that and I think, what small step can you take now that puts you in the direction and trajectory of becoming the man that you want to be right now. Mm-hmm. You know, what step can you take now? It's not like, it's not like you have to become a perfect man and then you can become a better husband and a better father and, yeah. and lead better in your home. You start where you are and you take small little steps. Yeah. And this is where I really get into the idea of, uh, purpose, purposefulness, intentionality, and consistent consistency. Sometimes we think that we have to do this this big, grandiose, large scale thing. Um, 
and, and as an illustration, maybe it's like, we got to take our kids to Disneyland because I have, I've been working for the past nine months, haven't spent any time with them. And so I'm going to make it up for them by taking them to this big trip to Disney for a week. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you that, that week long trip is going to cost you a ton of money and you're not going to get, you're not going to receive the dividends or the interest back in relationship that you think you're going to get because you haven't been making small little deposits day after day after day after day. Mm. And this is, this is where that, that, um, dad hack, you called it of, of daddy time, these little things that we do with our kids consistently over time. They don't really cost any money. They, you know, they're not extravagant. You don't have to have this huge plan in place. It's just small little things day in and day out. And so start somewhere, you know, maybe, maybe you start daddy time and you do it one, you have one kid do it once a week with them and just make sure you pick, okay, Monday at seven o'clock, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to get a deck of cards out or whatever the whatever your son or daughter wants to do and I'm just going to spend some focused time with them. I'll even set a timer for 20 minutes to make sure that I at least <laughs> do 20 minutes and start there. Start somewhere and then commit to being consistent with it. Mm-hmm. And if you miss a week, you miss a week. Do it next week. You know, that that's another place that we we can sometimes get tripped up is yeah you know, you, you have this big program, you want to go to the gym and you, you want to, you know, get in shape and and tone yourself up and then you miss a week and then you quit and then you're done. No, you miss a week, you miss a week. And then you just, you just keep going. Mm -hmm. I mean, same thing with, with, um, with parenting and and being in the trenches. Uh, you, you just gotta, you just gotta fight again and again and again every day. I'll tell you this, it is easy to lay there and be passive. Very easy right now. But in the long run, it's going to be more difficult because when your kids are older, you're going to have more problems because you're not going to be connected with them. You're not going to have that relationship. You're not going to have those deposits with them. Mm -hmm. And older men that have lived like this can probably attest to that, that are are listening in. Uh, Same thing with your marriage. If you haven't been investing consistently in it, it's easy to not do that right now. But in the long run, it's going to wreak havoc on your relationship. It is hard to be intentional. It is hard to be purposeful. It is hard to reject passivity. It is hard to accept responsibility. But that's the challenge for men. And I think a lot of men need to see that as a challenge because a lot of men, when they're challenged, will step up to that challenge and meet that challenge. And a lot of those that meet it will exceed it and do, and, and do very well with it. And I, I think sometimes men just need, you know, need to be challenged a little bit. Yeah. Man, that's good, Patrick. Um, actually, I think we're going to leave it on that note, man. That is, that is solid. And guys, sure. you know, what Patrick's laying down here, that's your challenge. Um, I know for myself, sometimes I get in, I'm, I'm deal with perfectionism too, in certain regards. And it's like, man, if, if I know it's not going to be perfect, I don't even try and do it. It's like, no, that's not, that's not it. You know, it's take the, take the small steps. Um, Mm -hmm. and that adds up over time and it leads to results. And, um, that's, that's where it's at. So it's a good challenge. Thank you for that, Patrick. Um, just as we kind of wind down here, tell us how our listeners can connect with you. 
uh, what you're doing, where they can you know find out more? Yeah, sure. So you could go to our website, deadhackers.us, and there there's links for the podcast. You can check out what we're doing there. There's links for our social media. You could check out our, our Facebook group, our Instagram, um, put stuff up on YouTube. So really have a lot going on that way. But but the, kind of like the clearinghouse for all that is deadhackers.us or .us, however you want to say it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so check us out there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Make sure you listen to the to the episode with Dad in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. Well, Patrick. Um, so before we before we leave, would um, I like to do this? To all my guests, would you just take a minute and would you pray for for us? Pray for the listeners. Um, just lay down what you got for us. Yeah, man, I'd be honored to. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for the work. Uh, that is going on through Dad in the Trenches and in this podcast. I thank you for the work that you're doing in the lives of the men that are listening. I thank you for the work that you will do in the future for the listeners here. And Lord, we um, we take stock in the fact that in your word, in Ephesians chapter 2, it, it talks about how you have created us for good works, which you've prepared in advance for us to do. And that's my prayer, Lord, that you would continuously shape, mold, and form us into the men that you've called and created us to be so that we could carry out those good works that you prepared in advance for us to do. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that you would use us not just next week or next year, but today, this very hour, this very minute, this very second. Um, and that we could develop a kingdom perspective on life and really look at, at, at what we do and how we do it through the lens of the kingdom rather than through the worldly glasses that we that we often put on. Yeah. Lord, I thank you for um, I thank you for our time together. Um, and I pray your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well Patrick, again, thank you so much for joining us here and uh, for just your transparency, vulnerability. Uh, it's a huge blessing and uh, man bless what you're doing. Thanks so much. Sure thing, man. I, I really, I really appreciate the opportunity. I, I always love talking about this stuff. Well, thanks, guys. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. For more content and resources, check out the website at dadinthetrenches.com or on social media at Dad in the Trenches. And be sure and click on subscribe to stay up to date with new podcasts walk out the heroic fatherhood you were called to live.